think I did the old man thing where I put my shirt on backwards. Uh, all right. Are you feeling any better? Uh, no. Well, I mean, yeah, I feel great. I'm still testing positive. You're still shedding all over the place. Like I'm a, still shedding. Like a yeah. dog. Yeah. Um, still testing positive as of this morning, but I feel great. And I have felt great for the past few days. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I got a really mild, and both of us, Adrian had it a little worse than me, but, uh, boy, you know, I've heard of people getting knocked out by the COVID and yeah. comparatively very, very mild case. Well, you're very lucky then. Yeah. Last year when I was sick, I, I was on the couch for three days, like shaking. Oh, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah, it was bad. I had a fever of 101 for a day. That sounds like a song from the 60s. <laughs> it was a foreigner I song. I had a fever of 101 <laughs> for a day. <laughs> I wanted you back, but you went away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, we should write songs. That was good. Um I uh, had a bit of an odyssey, a Homeric journey this week. A Homeric journey. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I went to see her mother and stepfather in uh, Vermont. Okay. And we flew where to Burlington. they make Bur the syrup, right? Yes, that's where they make the syrup. We flew yeah. to Burlington. Where the coat factory is. <laughs> yeah, I do believe there is a coat <laughs> factory there, yeah. And Yeah, uh, you had a whirlwind trip. Flew to syrup Burlington. and a coat. <laughs> Got picked up, went down, spent a couple of days with uh, the family. Uh, at the end of the of, of the time, it was 930 in the morning when we were supposed to leave for the airport. Got a text from JetBlue saying the flight was delayed an hour. So it's like, okay, well, you know what? Let's just go there on time anyway, because sometimes they, you know, say come come on time because it may be that it goes back. You know what I mean? The, the, oh, really? The, okay. Yeah. Like if, you know, if they let's say a plane maintenance problem, they fix it. And it's like, okay, we're going now. It's like, they're not going to wait for the hour less necessarily, you know? So we went up there and we get in the airport and now it's delayed two hours. <sighs> oh, right. wow. So and we didn't even, did we, you get another update or did you only find out about going to the airport? Well, we, yeah, when we got to the airport, we went and talked to the gate agent or to the agent at the, at the ticketing. Wow. So now it's like two hours. Oh yeah. The, the plane's still in Boston, which had to go to New York. And then to Burlington to pick us up. So it's going to be at least two or three hours. Okay. So we don't even go through security. We go walk a mile, go have lunch, walk a mile back, getting some steps in. And we go through security. And now it's delayed four hours. You got to stay in one place. You're causing this. <laughs> so, Every time you leave, it gets worse. <laughs> Just stay there. I know. So, so we're sitting there and anybody who's been to the Burlington airport, I think there might be seven gates or something. Three so of them tiny. are in one section of the area of yeah. the airport. Some are at the other side of the airport. Yeah. It's tiny. It's like Burbank. Yeah. 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 It's like Burbank or Long Beach or one of those, yeah. you know, like these yeah. tiny places. Burbank's actually makes it feel big, I think, um, or, or is bigger than this. Um, so anyway, we go there. And we were both tired. We didn't sleep well the night before. So we're just like, let's just like sit down on this thing and maybe we'll snooze for a half an hour or whatever. So we snooze for a half an hour. We get up and we look over and everyone at the gate is like, they've all dispersed. We're like, what is going on? Check our phones. Delayed until 9 p.m. Oh, now, wow. It's 11 a.m. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is a 40 minute flight to New York. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so... 
what are we going to do? Right. We can't, there are, uh, 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 don't they have to compensate you after a certain well, number of hours or something? So here's the best part. So we go up to the people and we said, I think by now it was like one o'clock. Uh, we said to the, to the gate agents, like, all right, what's going on? There's like six people still waiting out of the 85 that were going to be on this flight. And they said, well, they told us that all these flights were canceled. And then a couple minutes later, we got another message that says, no, belay that order. Not all of them are canceled. They might fly, but your plane is still in Boston. Is, is it a mechanical thing? Like, it, it, no, is that it was why the weather in New York. Wait, so the, the weather in New York kept the plane from leaving Boston? Yes, because they couldn't land in New York. Oh, so, it was going to New York first. Yeah, it was going to New York first, then oh, okay. to Burlington. Okay, okay. Then that was unclear. That was yeah, unclear. Sorry. Okay. Uh, and so um, so they said, well, yeah, but, you know, it might be canceled. So we're sitting there for a little while, and they, they, this is the bad sign. They got pizzas. For themselves? No. For you? For, yeah, like, okay. for general <laughs> usage. But the gate agents themselves are, like, who Do the pizzas pizza? have to go through security? Yeah. <laughs> they were Kirkland pizzas. They were good <laughs> Costco pizzas. So, so. We're sitting there and now we're literally the only people left other than one other like middle-aged blonde woman. And we're like, this is a bad They couldn't sign. do like a, like a, a bus or a train. You couldn't get the, like. Well, okay. So the, now it's one o'clock in the afternoon. There is one train we could have gotten on, but it was in the morning and we had now missed it. But the train would have been like a seven or eight hour thing. To go to 40 to minutes? To go what in flying is 40 minutes. Yes. Wow. This yeah. is like a John Candy, Steve Martin. Yeah, just thing. wait. It gets worse. So, so eventually they come over to us. At this the one woman from the gate goes over to get another slice of pizza. Sees us still there and comes over to us and tells us that the flight's been canceled. After all that, yeah. After all that, so the flight's canceled. Uh, okay, so what happens now? Well, we can put you up for the night, uh, but you know we'll get you on the next plane out of here. I said, when's that? They said Tuesday. It was Sunday. Tuesday. Yeah, two days before the next plane that we could get out on. Wait, and this is where in the this is the it's not in the middle of the Gobi Desert for God's no, sake. No, yeah, we I mean, might as well be on the North Pole. Yeah, yeah. So, so here You're we in are, Petra. right? So we're <laughs> like crap. So we go immediately, and we said, okay, if we can get a one way rental, and the woman, this other woman who was sitting there, says there are no one way rentals to New York. They won't. There's no cars and the cars they have, they won't let do one way because they need them for somebody else's reservation the next day or whatever. We said, okay, well, maybe we can get a one way to Albany because Albany has a train station where we can get on a train and there's a train at 740 tonight that goes into New York. How far is Albany from there? Well, it's a three hour and 20 minute drive. Oh, wow. Wait, isn't Albany in New York? Yes. But we were in, yes, but it's like halfway up Vermont or halfway up New York. So now we're sitting there going, all right, how do we get to Albany? We go downstairs and there's all of the uh, uh, rental car places are closed with a sign that says we don't have any cars, except for Hertz, which has a line of 50 people at it. So there's no way we're getting a car, right? So Aren't now other we're just, people going to New York. Couldn't you, couldn't you bum a ride with other people that were going to New York? I, you know, we probably could have thought of that, but then it just became, so we just decided to call, uh, Paul, uh, her, her, her stepdad, uh, to see if he would drive us to Albany. It is oh. now two, no, it's almost, it's, it's almost three o'clock. It's two forty-five in the morning. 
No, in the afternoon. Yeah, but, okay. the, but the plane, the train from Albany is at 740. So it's like we have a three and a half hour drive. So we got to get going. Right. So, and they live a half an hour away. So, you know, they got to come up to get us to go back. To, they got to get up to get down, as they say in the disco industry. <laughs> so. Get on down. <laughs> go get up to get up. Uh, um, <laughs> so. So uh, Paul says yes. Thank God for Paul. Paul is a saint. Um, and then Heather's mother decides to come too. So she ended up like packing a bunch of, I don't know, she thought we were going to Timbuktu and needed supplies. So she packed a cooler with food and drink. <laughs> and that phone. Yeah. And- yeah. So yeah. We, we they pick us up and we're like, we got to go. We got to go now. Like you guys are, you know, we're pushing the time thing here, you know. Um, and then so we start driving. And here's the thing. In Vermont, where between there and uh, and Albany, there are no interstates. You're driving state roads the whole way. So it's like like a little two lane type of thing. Yes, Eesh. all the way. So it's like forty five mile an hour speed limit or something. Or yeah, is it, fifty in some still... places, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you're you know we're we're up in it. So we start driving down, and and you know we're all chatting with Paul and. You know, Conrad chatting with her with her mom in the back seat, and over the course of three hours, you know, we stopped to get donuts at one point. I'm like, "All right, back in the car, let's go." You know, we gotta. I don't want to miss this train. You you've got to be insufferable to travel with, though, because you you are always on like a schedule. Well, if there is a schedule to keep, the train's Even not going to wait for. Me. Though, come on, you've told the stories. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's true. I I don't want to delay. It drives me crazy when people. When it's like, okay, we're getting up to go see something at sunrise or whatever it is. And then somebody doesn't get up and then they're like, well, I got to get coffee. And, <laughs> and then you're just like, okay, well, sun is now so risen. You, so we just scrap the sunrise. You you would beat Fielding and I to death with a shovel because we, we're just like, yeah, we'll we're, get there. We're, 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 well, I mean, in some times that's well, we true. Meh. You know, we'll get at the end of the night when we're getting to the hotel. Well, we'll get there. But if there's like something that happens on a particular time, then I need to be there on that time. You ever play the crepe game when you guys went to Paris? The crepe game? Yeah. Fielding came up with a game. It's it's the crepe game. Which and, is? It, and the, the game is, is, is as follows. If you stop and get a crepe and you eat that crepe before you see another crepe shop, you get to get another crepe. <laughs> <laughs> um, that could lead to uh, heavy poundage being added to your body. Oh, yeah. Oh, we, there are a lot of crepe shops in Paris. Well, we're going Bel- to Paris in a me. month, so uh, yeah. I'll let you know. So, crepe uh, game. Yeah, so so we so we get all the way down to uh, uh, Albany. They drop us off, and then they have to drive three hours back. So they've driven six did you hours, seven to pay hours. For gas? Were you, did you at least oh, offer to oh, pay for donuts to or pay something? For gas. We paid for donuts. Yeah. We paid for every meal while we were there. Heather has sent them thirty six uh, bagels from Essen or uh, yeah, Essa bagels which is a fancy bagel place here. Um, yeah, we, we've done everything we can do that they will allow us to do. So then we go and we get, the train actually gets called at like 7.10. They're like, all right, all aboard. And we're like, what? It's not even a half an hour before the train's supposed to leave. So we get in the train. It actually waits until 7.40. I don't know why they boarded it a half an hour early. It goes to Hudson and it stops for 45 minutes. Now, by this point, we have been on a train 
for tw- we have been traveling rather to get home for about 12 hours, you know, of, of time from when we left the house in the morning. <clears throat> and then they don't announce anything over the thing. And then we're like, great. So we're late. So anyway, long story short, we end up getting into Penn at 7, it's not that short. 1130. <laughs> nice. 1130 at night. <laughs> so basically it took us like 15 hours to get home. To go 45 minutes. What would have been 40 minutes in a plane. Yikes. Um, I, obviously this is not, you know, I wasn't walking the whole way or anything like this, but it's just so funny. It's like, you didn't, you wouldn't think that we were actually that far in the middle of nowhere. Right. But we were enough in the middle of nowhere that we had lost all options to getting home. (laughs) You know what I mean? Short of having our own car. Like there was no other way for us to get there. Right. Um, yikes. Yeah. it It was, it was a long day. It was a long day, but, um, uh, Hey, I was listening to an interview with Bernie Taupin the other day. Yep. You know, Bernie Bernie Taupin. Taupin. Sure. Sure. He was on, uh, the Mark Maron, uh, WTF podcast and, um, interesting sounding guy, you know, chatting away. And one of the things that he said was, you know, I think Mark asked him about his writing process and whatnot. And he said, um, you know, I, I write when I feel like it basically. Um, he says, I know lots of people like Stephen King and all these other people have a thing where they go and they write for, you know, three hours a day or whatever. He's just like, eh, I don't do that. I write, I write when I write. And you and I over the years have discussed a lot of different like books and methods and styles and the artist's way and the, what's the, the, uh, uh, Stephen, um, uh, yes. What's, What's his book called? Uh, the war of art, war of art. You know, we've, we've discussed all of the, and on writing by Stephen King and all these different things. Do you think that we can, you can actually change the way you work? Or do you think everyone just works the way they work and trying to force yourself into somebody else's system is futile? Oh, absolutely. Think you can. Absolutely. You think you can change? Yes. I don't know that that necessarily means the change gets any better. Okay. Okay. But I think you can definitely change your, I know you can, I've changed my habits. I've changed how and, 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 you know, the process by which I make things. Purposely, certain, not just like naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I don't know that, that you can say that the work gets any better. Right. But you certainly can, tr- I, th- I think you owe it to yourself to change it up. Okay. You know, okay. I think I really do. I think that, that especially if the work is not going where you want it to go. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 I think if, if you're not getting the results that you want, you can keep doing the same thing and keep getting the same results or you can change, make some sort of change, give yourself some sort of new constraints or some sort of new, uh, uh, methodology or process to, to maybe, yield some different results. Is, no, it, I absolutely think you can. But in some ways, I think, I think we're, there's two different things going on here. There's like me saying, okay, you get up in the morning early and you start working early before you even drink your coffee. Let's say, I don't yeah. think that's true, but, uh, is that true? Uh, it depends on the day. Okay. If um, I have something to get out, you know, see this, this is where I think the, these kinds of things can be useful is Morning Pages, for example, and we've talked about this many times. Yep. If you're not familiar with Morning Pages, Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, um, the idea is that you you get up and before you do anything, you you bang out three pages of stream of consciousness writing just to just to clear out 
the cobwebs, as it were, in your mind. Um, I think that can be and has I know it has been enormously useful because it just it, it maybe it gets out a dream. Maybe it gets out some thoughts. Maybe it gets out a reason why you couldn't sleep well. Maybe it uh, whatever it is. Um, I think that can be enormously helpful so that when you do sit down and get to work, you're not still thinking about that other noise. Yeah. Do you find that that noise stops you? Sometimes. Sometimes that noise becomes fuel and it is the thing, right? Sometimes there's a dream or, or there's something that I've been thinking about. And there was an aha moment that I woke up with. There, there, there is no pattern. It only, from what I understood about the artist pages thing though, or the morning pages rather, is that you're supposed to dump all this stuff out and then forget about it. Yeah. in, In theory, you're not supposed to look at it. Right. What if you dump stuff out and it's stuff that you've been trying to get out and that's what you want to use? I mean, well, you know, they're guidelines. I, of you course, mean, of course. But I mean, I know. guess the idea, though, is that whatever's in there is junk that you need to clear the pipe. Yes. And and that is often the case. Although, you know, like you said, sometimes there's good stuff in there. Right. You know, right. right and right. And if you never look at it again, then that's where it dies you know, I mean, maybe you wake up with a great script idea or maybe sure. you make, you know, you wake up with a terrific piece of dialogue in your head. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it really it, depends. Sure, sure. And it it also is interesting to me to think that um, that would also work well for somebody. I mean, yes, I know I've been doing some writing lately, but I generally don't think of myself as a wordsmith or a person who writes, mm-hmm. you know, so to me, I would never think to sit down and write three pages of anything. I haven't written three pages of anything other than these scripts since I was in school. You know, mm. I don't write like that. I wonder if to some extent her view of it. And, and I know, uh, Koppelman is a, Brian Koppelman's a big fan of the morning pages thing and, and, and a big devotee of, of, of the way, mm-hmm. um, that 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 it lends itself to people who are verbal or or linguistic in that way. You know what I mean? Like that's the way they're they're those are the, the ideas that somebody needs to get out are, yeah, are, maybe. are verbal word things, you know. But I think that can be I think it can be useful visually as well. I mean, yeah. I know I know several artists who do the visual equivalent of morning pages just to loosen up. Just, sure. Yeah. Just whether it's whether it's sort of, you know, autonomic drawing or or is that what they call it? Autonomic. I don't know. Yeah. Where you just kind of let your brain. just Yeah. Go. You yeah. just kind of do it. Um, or, you know, just sketching or, or color studies just to loosen up, just to get things kind of in motion. And maybe, maybe there are some photographers who do that. Sure. Maybe if you're on your way to, to a, a, a location, you just see what you see and you shoot a couple frames just to, just to get in the motion. You know, I don't know, just to, just yeah. to get in the, in not, not a flow state because that's not really what we're after, but just, just to, 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 sort of, uh, 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 loosen up and, and, and sort of tell your body or your mind, Hey, this is where we're going today. This yeah. is what we're going to do today. I think there are two things going on here. There are the, mm, I'm feeling a little stuck. Let me change things up in the same way that, uh, you're not supposed to do the same workout every single day. Mm-hmm. You know, you're supposed to trick your body into trying slightly different things just to keep it fresh. Right. I think there's that. And then there's the, well, this is what works for Jeffrey. So I'm going to do that because I want to do work that Jeffrey does. You know what I'm saying? To assume that somebody else's methodology or process is the process you need to use to get the kind of work that they put out, and, and which isn't necessarily true. 
Yeah, it's, you're probably not going to get the same type of work they do, but maybe that process is what you needed to get unstuck, or maybe that process is what you needed to to jumpstart something else. Yeah, right. I mean, I could I could adopt the same sort of process that Stephen King uses, but I'm never going to write like Stephen King. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> you're never going to write stuff. things that don't work that well as movies when they're long. <laughs> Well, and Stephen King's stuff really scares me. So, do you really? He does. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's dark. I've only he's, ever read the unabridged stand. Mm. Um, he's a terrific writer. I mean, I, I you know, no is. disrespect. Yeah, but of course. It, it just you know, there's there are those books that stay with you. There was a uh, uh oh, what's the the Wasp Factory? Okay, is, a, is another book by. Ian Banks, um, or is it Ian M. Banks? He writes. He writes as Ian Banks in sci-fi, and Ian M. Banks when he does horror, or vice versa. I'm sure, Ian Banks fans out there will correct me. But anyway, there's a book called The Wasp Factory that he wrote that just absolutely creeped me out. Fantastic book, but eesh. some people like to be scared. Yeah, I don't like to be scared. Yeah, either do I. I mean, I have friends who my friend Brad, you know, makes horror films, and my wife has a podcast about zombies. Um, this doesn't seem like I never found that fun. <laughs> no, I'm, the, the world around me scares me enough. I don't, I don't need to add to it. <laughs> hey, what do you think about that? Uh, the Ikagi, uh, the Ken Mogi video that we found last week since somebody wrote in. Oh yeah. Somebody wrote in and said, you know, the, 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 the diagram is wrong. Even the guy who made it said so. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, okay. Okay. Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay. Thank you. But Ken also said that it's still useful. Yeah. Like you get, uh, well, he look, pointed out that he never really made that. He never made that diagram. That diagram was a Western version of the ideas. Right. And that anything can be your own ikigai, um, yeah. which I think that's the point is find the thing that works for you. And if that diagram helps you distill down and and get somewhere new then yeah. it works for you yeah. then it, then it then then it is your ikigai sure. right if if doing what you love for no money is is what lights you up then that's your ikigai if if like whatever it is i i i don't care what lights you up i just care that something lights you up sure and i think it's to some extent that that locks into what we were just saying before about process and stuff where it's yeah. like you know if something works for somebody else doesn't mean it's going to work for you, but it doesn't mean that whatever you're doing would work for them or, you know what I mean? That, that we all got to find our own way in the world. Yeah. Um, I yeah. mean, look, there, there are people for whom that diagram is absolutely true that they have found that thing that they love, that sure. they're good at, that makes them money that the world needs. But that feels like it's almost a retconned situation, you know? What do you mean? Well, I'm saying that if you saw that diagram and then you're looking at it and you go, I need to find that thing that is in the middle of that diagram. I think that's probably far less likely than somebody who already has that thing and then looks at the diagram and says, see, the thing that I do fits all of these different yeah, buckets. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if, hmm. Okay, let's pose a question. Can Can you even find, like, did Tony Hawk find that thing? Did that, Springsteen yeah, yeah. find that thing? Or, or did they just do the thing that they do. And then they go, Oh, you know what? Yes. My thing satisfies all of this. I think that that is far more likely. Uh, the, 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 the second, 
Um, I, I think that there's a lot of self-help and a lot of podcasts by people like us. Uh, wait, is this a self-help podcast now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think that, you know, we discuss some of this stuff sometimes and I, and yeah. I, and I think that, um, I, I think that while, while I, th I think what we say is useful, I think some of the ideas that we discuss are useful. I, I don't know that you can just, you can look for those things. I think you and I and everyone else are all searching, but I don't, and I think maybe every once in a while, somebody will say something and it'll, it'll prompt your mind to go in a direction that helps solve the problem. Yeah. But none of these things are magic bullets. No. And, and to be fair, I've been Whether looking it's morning pages or yeah, I've been looking for that thing for, you know, most of my life and exactly. I still haven't found it. Yeah. I mean, if, 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 if there was one or one or two of these things that worked as well as people say they did, then everyone would be doing them and they'd be teaching them in kindergarten. Right. You know, there, so there would be reels about them on the YouTube, like exactly. you know, side hustles or something. Yeah. Lots of side hustles. Yeah. Um, but I think that, I think that because there's such a hunger for finding those things, there's this cottage industry of people who are telling you how to do it. I wonder what is the hunger though? If we, if we get down to it, let, let, let's, let's, let's break this down for a minute. Yeah. Because I don't see a lot of reels and videos and Instagram posts and YouTube shorts offering up how to be satisfied creatively, offering up how to be fulfilled existentially. What I do see a lot of is how to make money, sure. how to move, how to drop ship products or how to do this side hustle in only four hours a day that can give you four. But I don't see a lot of things at all about being a better person, being yep. a more fulfilled person, being a happier person. I think that I think that there are a number of things here. I think that there are people who don't have happiness or satisfaction and don't have money. I think there are people who have money but don't have satisfaction. I think that, the, you know, it's sort of the uh, knowns and unknowns of Donald Rumsfeld. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I think that there are a lot of people, though, who maybe feel as I do. It's like, I like the work that I do. I enjoy doing it. Well, how do I find more ways to make money doing this? There must be a, a secret. And of course, the answer is there is no secret. I don't think that there's any secret. Um, I, th I think we discount the importance of luck. Yeah. Well, I think in society, when judging people, we definitely do that. Um, you know, luck and, and, and knowing the right people and being born in the right place and, you know, all of yeah. these things, right? Um, I mean, how, how many times do you read some biography of some artist and it says... Um, Oh, and then so-and-so went to this party and happened to meet this person who ended up bankrolling the rest of their career and got their stuff bought by all these rich people that start, you know. Right. And then um, people read that and go, well, what I need to do is start going to more parties. Right. Yeah. And but maybe that's, it, that's not, that's not the case. Yeah. And it, maybe it works for some of them because that does happen. A lot of times it is connections that, that, that makes that happen. But you could also find somebody who gives you the wrong connection. And then you sign a contract where they steal all your money for the next 30 years. <laughs> right. You know, so, I mean, that, that, that isn't, isn't any sort of panacea. And then you have people who, who, man, I don't know, who, 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 you know, are young and good looking and in their prime of life and whatever it is. And they think that's going to last forever. So they start their, 
career sort of selling their looks. You know what I mean? Like right. these, somebody put up a thing the other day there. They said, you know, all these young fitness influencers with fantastic butts and six pack abs. It's just like, yeah, you're 22. I had abs when I was 22 as well. Call me when you're 50 and then show me how good your workout regimen is working. Um, and I think some of that is true as well. But I, but I, but I think that people are yearning for, it's easier to sell money or success in that way than it is to tell somebody that success is what success means to them. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, in the West here, if you have enough money and you have a place to sleep and you have people you care about you and people you care about, well, okay, well, what's left to have more of all of that, I guess. But I think that satisfaction is a, is a bigger part of it, you know, but, but, it, but you, you can't explain that to somebody. It's, that's a, that's a more difficult thing because I don't think that there is a recipe for satisfaction. Or if there is, well, if, if they're if, so personalized is, that it's yeah, impossible it's, to describe. Yeah. And that's I mean, what's not being touted. And you I know, think like I said earlier, it's, yeah. it's, it, it, yeah, go ahead. That, that the Ken Mogi guy, you know, when he's showing the, we'll put this video in, but he's talking about the, the, the Western Venn diagram of Ikigai. And he's just like, well, yeah, but this could be your Ikigai or these two things could be your Ikigai. Like, or you being bad at something and not making any money out of it, but you just enjoy doing it could be your Ikigai. Like right. you can't, you know, everybody else's is their version of happiness might be very different than yours. And as I get older and I meet more people, I used to think when, when I was younger, I used to see other people and I think, how does somebody end up getting to be that age and ending up in that place that I see that guy who's a lot older than me, you know? Mm. And I, and I think, how does that happen? And then as you get older, you meet people who are now that age who you've known for all these years and have gotten there and you go, Oh, that's how you've got, that's how you get there. You know, um, both good and bad. You know, I think it, the, all of this stuff is a process. It's, it's just, it's just like, you know, you're, you're on a line and you're, you're moving and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose and sometimes you're going up and sometimes you're going down, but hopefully you're, you know, making some sort of, sounds very, I was going to say progress, but that sounds very, uh, enlightenment thinking. Um, but what's wrong with that? I, what's wrong with that? Why, why can't there be more reels about here's how you find happiness and ful fulfillment, not here's how you find a side hustle that can net you dollars. That's what I want to see. They probably just don't, there's not enough, there's not as much ad money for that. They can't make a buck doing that. Yeah. Do you think that you would, I mean, you've found some of that stuff around. You've listened to people, you've read philosophers, you've done all these things. Mm -hmm. Has all of that helped you? It helps until you start listening to the other voices talking about money and success and fame and blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. You sort and of then lose you, perspective. Then you, yeah. Then you start going, well, wait a minute. Mm, maybe they're right. And I'm. I'm the sucker standing yeah. over here in my shoes that I bought six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it's frustrating. It's frustrating that that's, that that's has what that people changed are chasing. As you've gotten older. Um, has it changed as I've got, has the people, hustle changed? People say that you, in general, people become more content as they get older. Are you more content now than you were 10 years ago, 10 years before that? Um, it doesn't am sound I, like it. <laughs> am I more content? I have to worry about less, but I think about more. Ah, I, I, because you I, don't I, have to worry. Because I don't have to worry, maybe, or or because I, 
I look at the past 20 years of my life and I go, because you didn't make certain choices, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put it. Um, I don't have a lot to show for the last 20 odd years of my life. I'm probably happier and well, maybe more at ease than I have been. Sure. But you also are married with a house in the woods and have a studio you can work in and have made, you know, hundreds of pieces of stuff. Yeah. But I, okay. So I, Yes. Yes. And, and from and the outside, makes, your life has changed a lot. Yeah, it has. And I'm, and I'm probably happier now overall than I ever have been. Okay. But then when you, when you, when you find yourself sort of getting bombarded and maybe, maybe this is, maybe this is the overall sort of negative arc of social media is that again, you're not bombarded by people who are happy. You're bombarded by people telling you how to be successful. And, and if I'm, if I'm happy and I'm not wanting for food, shelter, love, friendship, et cetera, then why do I even need to consider buying what they're selling? Because I've already got what they're after. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. So in that respect, I almost think that when you, when you get to a, (laughs) when you get to a certain point, you have to just shut all that off. In fact, Adrian and I were talking about this on the walk this morning about uh, just unplugging completely for a month or so and seeing what happens. Because I can say, I can say with, with, with a great degree of, of, of clarity, since social media kind of came on the scene or since, since we started Instagram and Twitter, what, 08, 09, maybe? I think 07 was Twitter. 07? Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Have you really taken a forced break of any length of time? Probably not. Nope. You probably dip back in. You probably check things out. But isn't it weird to think that we need to think or we need to take a forced break? I don't, I don't. You know, did people take a forced break of cars in 1920 when everyone started getting cars? Yeah, but it's, 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 it's a different thing. Cars are, cars are a tool that has a, that, ha, that have a specific purpose. Sure. I mean, I, I, really, I am no fan of social media in general. Yeah. Like I, it, you know, it's sort of a necessary evil to me in a lot of ways. See, and I don't think it's necessary for me. Yeah. I really don't. I mean, I connect with certain people, but those people know how to find me. Yeah. And I know how to find them by and large. Out of sight, out of mind, though. That's the problem. Yes. But but maybe when that's out of mind, other things come into your mind. Sure. So I, I think there's I think there's a there's a a, a you know, like I said, we were talking about it. I, I think that's what I'm going to do is just unplug completely and see how I feel at the end of it. We're going to because record the show on acetate. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, again, I think that there, there, there's so much. And as, as people get more desperate, as people get more, um, I don't know if envious is the right word, but again, there's, there's just so much of this, you know, I'm going to show you how to do this. And I think there's also a lot of, Hey, look how wonderful it is. We're sitting on a beach in Greece and you're, you're sitting at your house and I'm on a beach in Greece. I'd rather be at my house than on a beach in Greece. Yeah. But there are those people who, who put a lot of that stuff up too. Yeah. You know, the sort of uh, highlights of my life that are so wonderful and you don't see the normal me. 
day to day. That I think is, is what has been, I think that is one of the most dramatic existential sort of failures of social media is the comparison to other people's lives. Yeah. I mean, I think it's always happened. It just makes it constant and, and unavoidable. Cause you, you know? also don't know if that's real. Of course you, you know, don't. How many and times you know have you seen this thing? It's like, probably Oh, well, not I, real. Here's what you do. You find a t-shirt. Yeah. You, you go look at the sales on Etsy. They've made $5 million selling this t-shirt. There's nobody who's made $5 million selling a t-shirt on Etsy. Yes. Shut up. Yeah. 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 Stop it. Yeah. Well, that, that, I know? mean, they're just selling you snake oil. Yes. But so, but even the people who, who seem so happy, it's like, I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't put a lot of personal stuff on social media just because I found that it's not worth it. You know, yeah. it's like anybody who really cares, I'll text them a picture of us on vacation, but I don't put 35 pictures of me every day while I'm in Paris next month. You know what I mean? Like I won't be doing that, but, but that's just me. It's just like, it doesn't, that doesn't mean enough to me. That doesn't give me anything. You know, I'll put my yeah. work up and I'll be happy about, I'm proud of that. But like, you know, the world doesn't need to know everything about my life. The fact yeah. that I ate a smoothie for breakfast, you know, well, now they know. Great. <laughs> I had a smoothie yesterday. It was not great. What kind of smoothie? It, it was just whatever I found. It was uh, blueberries, apples, mm -hmm. bananas. Um, I put a date in it and it was not good. What, what did it taste bad? No, it just wasn't good. Like date shakes are great. We were talking about this morning. I used to go to this place called Hadley. Hadley Orchards, Hadley Fruit Orchards off the 10 freeway on the way to Havasu, or on the way to the, actually the Colorado River. And it was like this fruit and nut orchard and they had date shakes and they were fabulous. Probably but really I think fresh dates too. They were, yeah. But I think it was really just vanilla ice cream and dates. So, you know. <laughs> so really it was good. the vanilla ice cream. That got <laughs> it was you. pretty good. Pretty I, went good. To, I went to an A&W outside road stand kind of place oh, man. for lunch the other day. Yeah. Up, up in Vermont. You used to and, go to the A and W in Azusa, California, and I had mm. I had a pulled pork sandwich that was really quite good, surprisingly I never had that good. There. Yeah, no root beer. They were famous for their root beer floats. Yeah, I got root beer. I'm not a big fan of sodas and ice cream. Mm. Like I don't I don't do the float thing. I, whenever I eat, drink eat ice cream and then drink say Coca Cola afterwards, I think this is a bad combination. This is just not a not a thing for me. I did, however, have a root beer and it was delicious. Root beer is good. Um, hey, we've. Hey, Go Aren't we going to do some questions? Well, yeah, that, that was gonna, I was going to say. We're already like, you know, four hours in. All right. Well, we've, we've got, we don't have, I mean, we don't have that many questions today, but. but oh, we don't? No, but we, we have a few. All right, let's go. Uh, what do you got? All right. Millie wrote in, said, uh, as I'm heading into my 61st birthday. Hi, Millie. Hi, Millie. Happy birthday. Yeah. Uh, good to have you back. Uh, Millie's a friend of the show. Uh, I'm finally retiring from my jobby job at the end of the year, and I'm looking forward to a life when I can truly concentrate on photography full time. Maybe do a little painting and a little reading, all the stuff I couldn't get around to do properly because I said jobby job as a cook was is sapping all my energy every day. My question is, since your advanced age is advancing, what are your plans for retirement? Have you thought about it? Or is this the proverbial busman's holiday? What, what are my plans? for? I've been sort of retired since 2004. <laughs> I know. <laughs> really? I, um, yeah, not, not really, but I mean, it, there's still a challenge to find purpose. There's still a challenge to find enjoyment is, is probably easier than purpose to find. Sure. I, 
I still. But do you imagine there will be some sort of shift in five, 10 years that you will start doing things differently because you've hit some age of 65 or something? No, I've, I've, I feel like I have to earn my place here. Earn whatever that means. Okay. On earth, in your household, all of the above. Okay. I like fixing things because it, it makes me feel valuable. I like, um, I like seeing people and talking to people because that helps me feel valuable and it makes them feel valuable. Makes them feel seen. I like when people feel seen because I think, I think that's what many of us want. We just want to feel seen. Yeah. We just want to feel like we were here. We want to, we want somebody to notice that we were here. Yeah. Yeah. And I love being able to see people and talk to people and hear their stories and be interested because I am interested. So I don't see that changing. Yeah. My, my member of the family was talking to us and saying that, uh, Oh, you know, well maybe you should buy a plot of land out in the middle of nowhere for, you know, because well, someday you're going to want to retire. It's like, well, first of all, I don't even know what retirement means for someone like me. Um, secondly, that doesn't mean that I want to go live out in the middle of nowhere. You know, um, there, I know plenty of happy older people who live in the city who have retired and are just living in the city. Um, yeah. it's, it's just interesting how different people's perceptions of what it means to retire. I think there was definitely a, a sense of sort of our grandparents age people where, you know, the sort of greatest generation kind of thing where it was, Oh, I'm going to retire at 65 or whatever, move to Florida or Arizona, play golf during the day, you know, living that kind of life. And that, that was the goal. But I think part of that relied on the idea that you worked at a place for your I, you know, either entire working life or, or most of your working life. Yep. You know, how many people who are, um, how many people will work at the same place for 30 years, 35 years right. now? Now, not Almost many. Very few. Yep. You know, and I think that there was a, there was like a, there was an exhale that you could go and you could all, you know, economically. You could afford to do that. You could afford to do it. Yep. Yep. You know, you've got Congress now wanting to raise the retirement age again. Right. Um, Personally, I'm pro raising the retirement age because people are living a lot longer, so they can't, you know, be not working for a majority of their lives. I'm I'm okay with that. But the problem I have is that we've created a society where very few people have a ton of money and most of the people, other people don't have much money at all. So they're forced to keep working because they can't afford to retire because they don't have enough money because you know, the way that the whole thing is shaken out. Um, and that's only gotten worse. The sort of, you know, yeah. income disparity. Um, that that's the part that gets me, but, but you know, I've always said, you know, <laughs> Heather's grandmother used to say, don't ever retire. Don't ever stop working like that. that you know, you know, maybe you go down to two days. If you, assuming you generally enjoy what you do. Yeah. Go down to two days a week or whatever it is. But like, it's when you stop, then you're sort of, unless you have a very good idea of what it is you're trying to do next, mm. you'll tend to just do nothing and then you'll just waste away. This was her theory. Yeah. Um, and, and after she, she was a nurse for years and years and years, decades. And when she retired, she like looked at Heather, she said, don't ever retire. 
<laughs> and I don't know for me, for maybe my wife will retire because she has a jobby job and at a certain point they're going to like push her out or whatever, you know, or she'll have enough money to do what she wants to do. Um, but I already do what I want to do. So I don't need to retire. I, as you said, I've been retired since, what'd you say? 2004. Yeah. It's yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But it wasn't that it was like probably later. Yeah. But my, I mean, same with me in the sense that that's when I stopped working for other. So I didn't, I've have not a boss since. That's what I mean. Yeah. Since yeah, my, my last nine to five was in, was in 2004. Yeah. My last nine to five was in 2000 um, or 99, maybe. Yeah. I haven't had a jobby job in 24 years. Um, so I, yeah, I have no sense of what it's like, but I will tell you for us, or at least for me, uh, busman's holiday. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, what does that mean? I don't know what that is. It's a, it's a term, uh, it originates from the 1840s refers to a driver of an early version of a bus that was powered by horses. The idea behind the idiom was that if a busman wanted to go on vacation, he would most likely need to take a bus to get there. Therefore his holiday would be very similar to his working day, uh, okay. which, you know, is kind of true. And yeah. I, you know, I was, I was photographing this woman yesterday and, and we were talking about the, you know, economics of our business uh, currently, of my business currently. And, and I said, you know, here's the thing. It's like, yeah, I, I like what I do. I'd be doing it for nothing because I, I enjoy doing what I do. I'd be doing it whether I get paid or not. And that's what I do, you know, cause I like doing it. I yeah. prefer to get paid for it, but, but right. also if I don't get paid for it, then no one else can tell me what to do which is a nice part of doing personal work is that, you know, so I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Um, these are in the thing. Do you want to read one or do you want me to keep reading? Oh, wait, they're in, they're in the, they're in the Google doc. Yeah. Let me, let me, let me go back there. Jeremy wrote and wrote in and, and gave us three questions. So we're going to have to, we'll, we'll do these fast. Oh yeah. Okay. Here they are. Yeah. You got Jeremy's first one there. Uh, yeah. Jeremy, how in the world do photographers like Bill, Dan, Joey L, uh, no offense, Bill, if Joey L isn't one of your favorites, but Joey L's amazing. Yeah, no, he takes good pictures. Uh, get skin to look so painterly. I feel like my lighting and composition skills are there and constantly improving, but there is something about the subtle look of subject skin that I just cannot seem to replicate. Is it as simple as dodging and burning in post? I've tried several different methods of this and... It just isn't getting the look I want. All right. Here's the secret. Um, is, is it a plugin? No, uh, I don't know if there is a secret actually. Uh, I've never found a secret to it. I have come up with techniques that work for me. Um, and, uh, to me, they're largely based upon when I go, it's when I go look at say a sergeant painting and I look at the people's skin and their face, it's like, there's way more contrast in their face, in their skin, than uh, than when I take a picture of somebody, especially with a modern digital camera for some reason. Um, I, it feels like the tones of faces get very flat, especially if you have good lighting. Um, so what I've actually taken to doing is I end up putting a curve either across the entire image in Capture One or masking a curve in Photoshop just on skin where I end up giving some contrast and sort of the upper mids into highlights. I'll pull the upper mids down a little bit and push the highlights up a little bit and where exactly those two points are shifts depending on the lighting in the picture. So, you, you know, 
uh, uh, salt to taste, you know, but, but trying to like give a little more contrast in the skin, I find really helps. And often you're pulling down the brightness of skin. Like it's, it's often too bright, even though everything else in the photo is fine. Uh, so I find like pulling down that stuff a little bit really helps. It's not always, but if there's a time when it just feels very sort of plasticky, the people's skin, it just looks very meh. That's what I end up doing. Um, I don't know if that is a good answer to that. I mean, it's the only answer I can go give. I, I know that, I mean, I know that all of those other people he's listing and a million others, um, have really good retouchers. Um, and I know that they are not, none of those pictures are out of camera that you see. I mean, even, even Dan's pictures, I don't think are out of camera. And he actually does a lot of stuff where he actually gets a similar effect. Cause I watched him using Lightroom last year where he went into the HSL in Lightroom. He was shooting with a camera. He was shooting tethered and he went in and created a recipe for himself so that everything he shot automatically had that little recipe. Mm. And he, he shifted the hue of red in one direction just a little bit and then brought the 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 uh the saturation down a little bit in the yellows he brought the saturation down a fair bit in the greens he brought the saturation down a bit so like he has a little recipe that he has that is effectively doing a similar thing where it's bringing down the brightness of the skin he's doing it by bringing down reds and yellows um in in like an HSL kind of thing uh and but the practical upshot is similar i think that also for some of these people they tend to have a more uh, desaturated kind of look on their images. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, when you see a lot of that stuff, um, which I think also helps in this way. Uh, yeah. So, but the answer definitely is not just about lighting. Cause you see a lot of these pictures right out of camera and they don't look like that. Yeah. And for me, it was always looking at paintings and stuff and thinking like, that's not, I mean, that looks amazing, but if I take a picture of that same person standing there in that same light, it wouldn't look like that. So what are they doing? You know, what decisions did, did Sergeant make while painting that, that he's putting a darker rose in the lower cheek or whatever it is? I will mm -hmm. also dodge and burn, but most of the time I'm dodging and burning, I am evening out skin, not removing it. Like where if there's like a, like a weird shadow here I want to bring up so because it like looks nasty or a weird highlight or all, you know, those kinds of shaping things, but I'm not one of those people who shapes skin with dodging and burning. I'm just not good right, enough at it. Right, right, right. Anyway, so there's your answer. All right. Part two. Uh, do you think it's possible to make a living shooting portraits in a smaller city? It seems like every independent photographer I know around here has to do families, weddings, corporate, et cetera, to get by. I would love to work for myself full time, but it feels like you have to be in one of the major cities to keep a flow of portrait clients. Uh, I think that it's nearly impossible to do in a larger city. Yeah. Um, I think that m most of the people, I mean, I don't shoot families and weddings, but you know, I do some corporate work occasionally, um, my editorial stuff, but I'm not so busy that I'm booked constantly. Um, I think that, yeah, in a smaller city, I think that it makes sense that somebody would have to do all of those things nowadays. I think it gets harder and harder. Yeah. Um, I wish I had a better answer for that, but, uh, I mean, do you know anybody who just sh shoots? I mean, the stuff that I shoot, I mean, I make a living doing it, but I'm also not 
I don't, I don't know anybody. I'm not designing my career so that I can maximize profit. Yeah. If I wanted to do that, I would shoot weddings and families and corporate stuff. You know? But I mean, even, even the people that he mentions, right? Yep. Dan, yep. Dan doesn't earn all of his money just as a photographer. Yeah. He's doing editorial work. He's doing, he's doing uh, artistic work. He's yep. doing collage work. Yeah. Joey L, same thing. He's got books. He's got movies. He's yeah. got, you know. Like, my guess is, is that Dan, like even Dan Winters and these things, like, you know, the 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 budgets on things five, 10 years ago are not the budgets today. Yeah. I mean, I will tell you just from my experience and hearsay to even the big people. Um, so they're not making as much money either. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think that it's a, it's a, it's a difficult thing. I have friends who are, you know, serious wedding photographers. My friend Alicia, she makes a good living being a wedding photographer who flies around the world. Hey, Alicia. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's like, I, it's not my thing, but she's very good at it and she likes it, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that, that this second part of the question, uh, do you think it's possible to make a living shooting portraits? I, I think you could swap in all sorts of different creative pursuits. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and get the same answer. Yep. You know, I don't, I don't know any. Do you think creatives. I can make a living writing poetry? Well, if you're also writing for commercial things and you're writing for. Yeah, sure. You know, sure. Like, Doing jingles for, yeah, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I, it's, it's hard to have a one income, one income stream creative living. I've always been a, um, I've always been a snob in my own, to myself where it felt like defeat to me to do work that I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, it's the smart thing to do, right? Like, Oh, you're not getting enough work doing this. Well, supplement it by doing some more corporate portraits or doing shooting families or, or whatnot, you know, all these kinds of things. Um, and the, the times that I have done those things, I found it very unsatisfying and I beat myself up about it. And that's, you know, me to discuss with my therapist. <laughs> but, but there are other people who just say, well, listen, I'm, I have a camera in my hands and I'm making money who, you know, who cares what right. it is that I'm shooting. Right. You know? Well, and yeah. And that's, that's, but that's been a recent thing for you to come around to that. Yeah. 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 I still don't do that, but, yeah. but I, you there's, know. there's more of a willingness, I think on your part to do it than um, there was a decade ago, let's say. Well, I, yeah, I still don't take that kind of work, but but I I understand people who do more than I did. Um, for me, there's there's a there's a sort of in uh, and this goes back to the special thing that we were talking about the other day is that like it's not not that my work is special, but like I I came into doing this photography because I enjoyed taking portraits. I didn't come into photography because I bought a Roto Rooter truck. And I want to use the rotor rooter truck as efficiently as possible. You know what I'm saying? I, I came into it to do this one thing. I didn't come, I didn't become a photographer in order to become a photographer. I became a photographer in order to take portraits of people that I found interesting. Right. Now, if I can make a living doing that, that's great. If I can't make a living doing that, well, then I'll make a living doing something else or I won't make a living. It's just, it's, it, to me, it's, I'd rather do something else rather than, not do the kind of photography I want to do, but there's some people for whom they just enjoy being a photographer, in which case, great. Then yeah, maybe you are doing all these different kinds of things. Right. Um, and, and that's because you came in it for a different reason, you know? Um, 
But, you know, for Jeremy, I think it's, it's, well, it, it's hard. Part three, there's another one. And oh this, is all, this all ties together. How do I leverage my published work to my benefit? Several of my portraits of professors, researchers, scientists, et cetera, get published in news stories and large publications. I always share these on social media, but outside of that, is there any way I can use these feathers in my cap to pick up more work? I mean, that's, that's the um, age old question. Um, I, I recently have been, uh, subscribed to LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, which, which has been useful to get a hold of some people. It hasn't been particularly useful getting me a lot of new work, but there is some level of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's because of that Jay Gold's tweet, right? You know, your family, your friends and social following is not your customer base. Accept it. Move on. Well, my customer base are people who are probably on LinkedIn, whether it's the, you know, managing partner of some law firm that needs a portrait for a thing or some author or, or literary agent who needs portraits of their authors or whatever these kinds of jobs that I do. Um, they're not just going to find me by doing a Google search. You know, I, I need, yeah. I need well, to. And chances are they're not even going to get to that. Right. Point of searching right. on like they're, they're not going to type. They're going to ask a handful of people. Hey, do you know a good author photo or a photographer to take the author photo of this person? I get a lot of those right. where it's like, oh, so, you know, referrals like that. Great. Yeah. Uh, as somebody or said, they will a, see, like you you said the other day, uh, uh, somebody saw the, the, the Seth Godin picture and went, I want yep. that, yep. you know, I want something yeah. like that. And, and somebody, uh, somebody said on one of those, one of those YouTube things about how to have a side hustle. Uh, he said, um, I just, I think it was an Instagram little thing. He said, you know, the whole idea of sitting around waiting for people to call you, that's called hope marketing and it won't work. Hope you know, you're marketing. hoping, you're, you're hoping people are going to find you. Hope marketing doesn't work. Yep. That's, that's, that's the line. Um, oh. and it's, it's, it's a little biting, right? <laughs> and yeah, but I think that's, I mean, yeah. And, and you know, he said that and I was like, Oh God, you know, he's kind of right. And even though a lot of what I do is waiting around for people to find me. I mean, there was a few, few months ago, I sent a bunch of emails to a bunch of different magazines, um, that I thought might like my work. I think I sent to 15 different magazines. Um, one of the 15 ended up getting back to me. No, two of the 15 ended up getting back to me to say, oh yeah, your work's great. Like if we ever need you, we'll give you a call. And then wow. one of them ended up just calling me and saying, oh, hey, I have a job. And this was, I think, last year. And I've done, I don't know, six or seven jobs for these people in the last year. So marketing can work. But let's say I had only sent to 12 of them instead of 15 and the three that I left out were the three that got back to me and I sent 12 things to people and got no response back. Right. That's just, you know, that's the stuff that I, makes me feel real jaunted. You know, what I really mm -hmm. should do in the, in per our original conversation this morning was, you know, what, I'm going to take 15 or 20 minutes a day to send out five emails or whatever it is to people. So this week I've sent out 25 emails and next week, you know, this month it'll be a hundred emails this year. I've sent out 1200 emails to people. Right. Right. And then, so if it is only 2% of those that actually get back to you, well, then that's 20 new clients potentially or whatever. I mean, the problem is, is coming up with 
more people to write to. It's not like there's a huge burgeoning magazine industry. No. You know, they're all the, they're In all fact, those. They're less than there used to be. Right? Did you see those uh uh the magazines that uh that you pay to get your work into? All these fashion yeah. magazines. Yeah, 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 yeah. The pay to play stuff. It's yeah. like the music industry. Yeah, and I see you know people I know put their stuff up, and it's just like, well, that's not really you're getting your stuff into a magazine. You're just paid to get yourself into a magazine. That's different than having being hired to get yeah. in a magazine. Yeah. It's but, different than some picture editor seeing your work and going, wow, right. We need that. Right. But, but, but does it matter? Maybe that is enough to get somebody who doesn't know anything about magazines to say, see, their stuff's published in magazines. You know, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, does it level not my hmm, ball of wax, but, but does it level the playing field somehow? Like if you can say, you know, I'm in the same magazine that Mario Testino is in sure. or whatever. Yeah. But I, I remember talking to a guy who was a, head guy in the uh, ASMP, the, you know, Association of Media Photographers, um, uh, Society of Media Photographers, rather. Uh, and he, years ago, it used to be to get into it, you had to have two current members basically vouch for you. Mm -hmm. And then they'd allow you to join. They had to like write letters of recommendation for you. Mm. And then a few years ago, they opened it up to anybody including not just media photographers, even though that's what it was supposed to be about, but also wedding photographers and family portrait photographers and stuff all could be members of ASMP. And I was talking to the guy and I was like, yeah, but in some ways by, by lifting that barrier, it potentially gives you a lot more members, but it also makes membership a lot less valuable because it doesn't mean anything anymore. If you can pay to play, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you said I'm a member of ASMP and it, people know, oh, well, that's actually a big deal because that means that two other people had to say that you were good enough to be in this thing. Well, then it has more valuable me, value to me to say that I'm a member. If I can just write a check, then eh, then I'm just somebody who wrote a check, you know? Um, I think it's it's tricky. It's tricky. You want You want external validation. You want other people to tell you that your work is good and yeah, it's a constant battle. So, Jeremy, there you go. There's your... Uh, yeah, I hope that helps, Jeremy. But, uh, you know, sharing those things, like making up... Uh, by the way, when I write, when I send those emails, I have a link to my website in the email, but I also just attach basically like a, a tear sheet. Um, uh, what's it called? It's like a, basically screenshots of chunks of my website so they could just look at... 10 pictures, you know what I mean? Like right there in the email or attached to the email. Yeah. They can at least like, Oh, I don't even want to go to the guy's website, but I'll double click on that and just look at this thing. And Oh, wow. That one's pretty good. And that one's pretty good. Okay. Let me go look at his website. You know, cause I think a lot of people are just like, could you go look at my website, please? Pretty please, mister. There's a lot of that. Yeah. It's hard to write those emails without sounding pathetic. Or without sounding, not just pathetic, but also sounding, you want to be humble, but you also need to sound like you're accomplished. So right. it's like this real, like, <laughs> you're walking, you're walking across a, a VR tightrope. You know, the, the tightrope's not really there, but it sure feels like it. Got anything else to say about that? No, no. You sound tired. You need to take a nap. I, I'm I'm a little tired. I'm a little tired. Uh, we'll, um, we'll wrap it up then. Yeah, a couple couple things, couple movies. Okay. 
you you want to do these? Let's do these two movies instead of. Do you have a photographer of the week? Uh, I, I, I think about it for a minute. Yes. Uh, a couple new photographer, photography based movies coming out. Uh, the bike riders, uh, new one from, um, uh, it's based on the photography of Danny Lyon. Okay. I love Danny Lyon. Uh, Austin Butler is in it. Tom Hardy is in it. Jody Comer's in it. Uh, looks good. I love Jody Comer. Yeah, looks good. Uh, Jeff Nichols directing. Uh, apparently, Butler was cast in this before he was cast in Elvis. Well, that was a long time ago. Yeah. So, um, but if you're not familiar with Danny Lyon's work, uh, terrific photographer. The Bike Riders, good book. Uh, uh, the Seventh Dog, also good book. Um, terrific photographer, Danny Lyon. And then uh, I just read about this, uh, Kate Winslet is doing a biopic on Lee Miller. Yes. Yep. Called Lee. Yeah. Uh, and, and another of my favorite, I love Lee Miller's work. Um, what, what, so I, that looks what I didn't like is in the marketing, you know how there's always a, 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 an article that's not really an interview, but it's like something somebody says in an interview and they turn it into a full article nowadays. You know what I'm talking okay. about? Yeah. 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 And the article was, Oh, I guess there's a scene in it where she's like, where she's nude and it was, you know, she was, Kate Winslet. Yes. And it was basically the, 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 the article was saying Kate Winslet doesn't care what she looks like nude anymore. And it was like, really, is that the most important thing that came out of the interview yeah. with Kate Winslet? Yeah. It just ugh, it makes me sad. It's like this incredibly accomplished, talented actor. And that's, and we're going to boil it down to, Hey, she's yeah. She doesn't care what her boobs look like nowadays. Yeah. It's like, ugh, yeah. God, come on. Anyway, go look up Lee Miller. If you haven't, if you're not familiar with Lee Miller, uh, wonderful, wonderful photographer. I think it's just Lee Miller Foundation. Yeah, I'm pulling it up. Foundation. There's also a Vogue article, everything you need to know about Lee Miller. Yeah. Yes, um, we'll find her. Uh, uh, LeeMiller.co.uk. Okay. Um, I think. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah. So here, quick story about Lee Miller. Well, about the foundation years and years and years ago. You dated when, her back in the day. Yeah, right. <laughs> back in 43. Uh, when, when, when we were still doing the whole faded and blurred thing, mm-hmm. we put up this photographer spotlight about Lee Miller okay. and had a bunch of photographs. And we were contacted by her estate saying, hey, you cannot use this, this, and this photograph because we no longer own the copyright on those. But... Would one of the, you know, would, would, would these photos suffice as replacements? So rather than giving us grief for, for just using, you know, photography from their, they tried their foundation, they tried to help because they, they, they read the art, they actually read the piece and it was this glowing piece on what an amazing person uh, Lee Miller was and what an amazing photographer on top of that. And I just, I, and my I, guess is that that organization is not particularly big. No, I can't imagine that. No. But I just thought, you know what? Thank you. Fair play. Classy. Yeah, true. You know, who owned and, the copyrights? Uh, I don't remember now. I think it was a magazine that had purchased copyrights for like they were the, the photographs were done for a specific magazine. So they owned the copyright, not the foundation. Ah, OK. Something simple like that. Yeah. I, I doubt that. Do you think that you were actually worried about? I mean, not that. Did you actually think that it was uh, I mean, it's fair use. You're doing an educational thing. You're not. 
selling stuff based on it or anything like that. Yes, but th- this was also, you know, 2009, 2010, 2011. Sure. Yeah. You know, it, 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 the, like it or not, the internet has changed and it's become a lot more litigious. Yes, You know, it if has. there's a buck to be made and, you know, it doesn't matter if you're making money from it, not making money from it, or just doing it a as a, as a blog entry to celebrate this person who inspires you, somebody is going to see that as an affront or as, as you stealing or whatever it is. Yeah. And they're going to yeah. come after you about it. You know, and funny. I think that's kind of a bummer. The, uh, uh, there was an article uh, on the blogger the other day and they mentioned me. And so I, I, I actually, I was like, Hey, that's cool. And I, so I, uh, texted Chris Gamp, you know, runs it. Chris still runs that thing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I was just like, hey, thanks for this. Thanks for the shout out. He's just like, wait, what shout out? And I was like, he's, I was like, something you wrote. And he's just like, I wrote a lot of stuff. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I I mentioned, I'm sure I mentioned you all the time, but <laughs> a- like, AI wrote that. I, I was like, well, it. thank you anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a thing. Um, if you want to get ahead of us or ask us a question, because we can always put one of those in at the end. Uh, you can either podcast at ontakingpictures.com, send us an email or 929-390-1916 to send it, leave us a voicemail, which we always enjoy the voicemails. Just saw this variety. Kate Winslet bears it all for another trip to the Oscars with her passion project Lee following its stiff. And there's a, the CNN one is literally like, I don't care what my boobs look, you know, it's just like, are you, this is not, this isn't the thing. Way to miss the point gang. Yeah. But it looks it looks beautiful, real real. Uh, the behind the scenes and then the finished shots that I've seen look incredible. When yeah. is that one coming out? I don't know. Uh, it's probably going to be very limited release if it if it even comes to the theater at all here. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, twenty thirteen. Let's see. When is it going to get released? Twenty thirteen or uh, twenty twenty three rather. <laughs> release date is nine. Oh, it's it's out theoretically. Oh, really. Yeah, let's see if I can find it somewhere in the New York City area. Yeah, where is it? Where is it? it says it's released. Where the heck can I watch it? Anyway, I'll have to find a place yeah, I wonder, to watch is it. it. I wonder if it's at the uh, the AFI here in town. No, it is not. Why would the AFI not show? Huh. We will find it. Yeah, I would love to see it. They're, they're, they're doing uh, a noir film festival coming up that I'm... Oh, I'm sure it's going to be great. Hey, I, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, my wife's birthday is coming up and, uh, every year we watch Jaws on her birthday, uh, famously. And, uh, I was just thinking, I wonder if there's a better version of Jaws around now. And I guess there's a 4k, uh, 35th anniversary or 45th anniversary, uh, version that came out a couple of years ago. Oh, really? On, yeah. on DVD? On 4K Blu-ray or whatever. 4K yeah. Blu-ray. Yeah, Blu-ray. Um, but I, I, you know, found a copy of it <clears throat> just to see what it looked like. And it's interesting. It looks good, but a lot more stuff is out of focus than you think. Hmm. It's high enough resolution that you can see what's not in focus. Does that make sense? Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like some shots are sharp and then it cuts to another shot and you're like, why isn't that sharp? And it's like, it's, it was not in focus. You know, but it's, you know, we've, we've gotten so we, a lot of times we look back on old movies and we think, oh, they're, they were so much better at making movies than we are today. And now we need, it's like, no, there's a lot of old stuff that's, you know, they were doing it by hand. It was hard. And if, you know, they measured the distance of some actor and the actor like backed up while they were 
you know, leaned back while they were saying some line, well, then the tip of their nose is in focus and their eyes aren't, you know, right. Right. Or whatever. So it's just, it was, it's just really interesting uh, looking back on that kind of stuff and seeing sort of the flaws that also make it feel really new and fresh and real because it just feels so you're on the set kind of feeling. Yeah. Anyway, uh, anything else? Nope. All right. I'm going to put some I'm links gonna go in the show notes. make another cup of coffee and have some breakfast. Uh, I did 5,000 meters on the rower and I'm going to get on and do another 5,000 because. Good for you. I don't want to be old and not be able to move. That's my, it's just like keeping me alive. Just the fear. Cosmo, you're going to die. <laughs> What's that from? Moonstruck. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, it's a good movie, right? It's a great movie. Snap out of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my head. Uh, yeah. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right, we'll see you. Right. <laughs> Going on and on the way we are oh, for fun. so long. What do you think of home marketing doesn't work? To any fool, it's plain to see something. Say what you wanna say I know what you will say Will you